Well, at the time of this recording, it is happy MLK Day. And if you have this day off, then certainly enjoy it. And uh, if you had to work it, well, work with some energy and pride because, well, you do have a job. Again, my name is Jeff Fuller, pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org. You can certainly subscribe on YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. And now on all the podcast channels, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Living Hope Wesleyan. Uh, as many of you have heard at nauseum, I believe people's stories will make our stories better if we will simply listen to them, learn, unlearn, and relearn what is truly applicable for living today. And one with a great story is the one, the only, Peter Moore. Peter, how are you? I am doing great. Looking forward to a fun chat together. Really appreciate this opportunity, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. Well, Peter is the uh, district superintendent of the Wesleyan denomination in the Atlantic District. Now, tell me or tell our listeners, what is the difference between the Atlantic District and, quote, the Maritimes? Sure. Uh, the Atlantic District actually uh, was a small independent denomination uh, that merged with several groups that ended up becoming the Wesleyan Church in 1968. So uh, without boring, boring uh, your listeners with a, uh, a detailed history lesson, um, we, uh, we kind of have fun sometimes joking that we're like, we're like Texas, we have a secession clause uh, which is not true, but, uh, but we did come in as a full district uh, as a little denomination. And um, so our history, it goes all the way back to 1980, or it's not uh, 1888, pardon me, not 1988. Wow. And so um, uh, that that said, we, uh, we have churches in all four Atlantic provinces and in the state of Maine, have uh, 10 churches in the state of Maine as well. And so we've always been uh, an international uh, tribe uh, in in the faith, and that's a big part of our identity. And so um, the the difference between the Atlantic District and the Maritimes, if people have heard that term in in reference to Eastern Canada, is that the Maritimes is simply this, uh, three provinces: New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island. Those are the three maritime provinces. Uh, when you throw in Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, that becomes Atlantic Canada. Hmm. And so uh, the Atlantic District includes those four provinces plus the state of Maine. So we have uh, three time zones and lots of travel opportunities to uh, network in about uh, 56 locations uh, uh, with satellites of churches. We're in about 56 locations in that area. Well. Wow. Well, thank you for that clarification. And again, uh, Peter Moore serves as the district superintendent for this uh, district. With the borders being closed, with COVID, with, as you mentioned, churches being in Vermont, or I'm sorry, in Maine, not Vermont, uh, how have you been able to connect and stay connected with those pastors and local churches across the border? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. Um, Obviously, with the border closed, um, that has made it pretty difficult 
we had two of our of our churches there this year who experienced uh, pastoral transitions. One one was nearing completion and almost completed uh, just before the pandemic shutdown got pretty pretty heavy in March. So it had it had an earlier transition than what is our usual system. And so the, the new pastor there started on, on April 1st. Uh, the other transition in Bangor um, happened at the usual time in July. And, and that process was entirely by, uh, by virtual means, primarily using Zoom. Um, but uh, it was kind of an interesting candidating experience. This family uh, moved up from uh, one of our Wesleyan churches in Pennsylvania and uh, actually originally from South Jersey, and uh, they're doing a great job there. So so my connection with them has been primarily virtual, um, except in November, because I needed to do a couple of pastoral installations and I wanted to do that in person, I, uh, I decided to go to Maine, and I was there for uh, about 10 days in November visited with almost all of our churches and pastors, had several board meetings, and did the uh, two pastoral installations on the two Sundays that I was there for these new pastors, and uh, then had to quarantine for two weeks when I came back to Canada. And uh, and because of the wonky rules, even though New Brunswick had, a, at that point, had a very, very low COVID count, I was not allowed to drive across the border because I wasn't an essential worker and I'm not a U.S. citizen. And so I had to fly from Moncton uh, to Bangor, which is not a direct flight uh, that I can, can assure you, unfortunately. So I had two pretty crazy milk run travel days to do that. But uh, but it was I'd do it all over again. It was a great week with our, our leaders there, the, the ladies and guys that are leading so well in our churches in Maine. Peter, why or how did you choose the Wesleyan denomination? My story is pretty boring on that, on this point probably, and pretty short. Um, I was born into a, a Wesleyan missionary family. And uh, when my parents concluded three terms of missionary service in Zambia, Africa. Uh, I was 12 and uh, my dad went on staff at a church in, in what I would consider my hometown in Fredericton, New Brunswick. And uh, I just have always known the Wesleyan church. I've been a Wesleyan missionary kid turned Wesleyan preacher's kid and, and uh, felt called to ministry uh, early in my life somewhere in my junior high years and um, that never changed. And so when I graduated, I went to what was then Bethany Bible College, now Kingswood University. And and uh, the rest is, is history in terms of my connection. I've really never known any other tribe in the kingdom uh, except the Wesleyan Church. And uh, I, I love our denomination. I love what God is doing. I love our leaders and our history. And uh, I'm excited about the future. Also love how denominational walls are coming down in a lot of ways. And uh, we are finding, I think, healthier expressions of partnership, 
with other denominations. And uh, as a as a Baptist best friend of mine in high school used to say to me, you realize, Peter, 95% of our differences only matter when you aren't serving God with all your heart. So it, uh, uh, as long as we're all leaning into uh, making Jesus the number one mission in how we live and in uh, what we seek to do to share him with others, I think we can partner with, uh, with a lot of stripes in the kingdom. Well, I certainly agree, well, I certainly with, agree that. with that. Again, Peter Moore, Peter Moore making, making some, some time. time. I apologize. For the echo. I'm not hearing one on my end. Yep. So, so the question that uh, I'm reminded of, we met at Bethany Bible College. You had graduated, and I uh, ended up graduating in 1997. At that time, did you have aspirations of becoming a district superintendent or how did that lead from local church ministry to the denomination to now uh, being over a district? Uh, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I would say this, my, my sense of calling to the church uh, has always been very strong. I've uh, even as a staff pastor and then as a, a lead pastor for 10 years in the Halifax area, um, I always enjoy the opportunities to be a part of what some are calling these days translocal leadership, uh, being a part of, of seeing the kingdom win and network for greater strength outside uh, what happens by, by leading a local church. Of course, the local church is the front line. It will always be the front line and everything else needs to feed into that and, and resource what God is blessing through that. Um, but I wouldn't say that there was any kind of a path that I ever envisioned or uh, strategically sought out. Um, just opportunities that came my way and people who knocked on my door. And as my wife, Ellen, and I prayed about those at each intersection, one thing led to another. So after pastoring in, in Halifax, it actually in Cole Harbor uh, in um, Dartmouth, uh, we moved to Fishers, Indiana, and I worked with Global Partners uh, for uh, seven years at headquarters and then returned from there to come back uh, to the Atlantic District. And uh, first as an assistant district superintendent and then was elected in 2017. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's that's what happened. Hey, so with the Wesleyan denomination, having a Bible college in your area, do you think that's good strategic placement for the denomination? What conflicts have you found with Kingswood being there where maybe some students across the United States might choose a different institution when really they are a uh, vocational ministry major? Well, if I can swap hats for just a second, uh, Jeff, I, I also uh, serve as the chair of the Kingswood Board of Trustees. <laughs> and so I'll be happy to don that hat to, uh, to answer your question. Um, the, uh, the wonder, one of the great strengths of the Wesleyan Church is that there is a, a legit synergy and trust-based relationship uh, between the five schools that we have. 
And um, all of the schools have opportunities for ministry training at various levels and to various degrees. And um, I think as a denomination, we recognize that having a single purpose institution like Kingswood is uh, a very helpful option amongst the other options. And of course, you and I as, as alum of uh, Bethany, now Kingswood, uh, would probably not shy away from saying, hey, if, if I was called to ministry today in the Wesleyan Church, uh, I wouldn't even think twice. I would I'd figure out how to go to Kingswood. That would be my, my preferred and premier place. And, and I would just say primarily because of the, the heavy focus and strategic design of the learning environment on uh, the character formation as a kingdom leader and practical ministry experiences. Uh, that's always been a key part of what sets uh, Kingswood University apart from, from some of the other programs and um, not to diminish what God is doing in and through those programs. But uh, so we, we partner together and uh, obviously some people like to attend in a place that's a little uh, more geographically convenient and uh, sometimes that drives decisions, but um, one of the benefits of, of Kingswood has been, uh, at least in recent years especially, the exchange rate for American students is very favorable. And so uh, the tuition room and board is already uh, very attractive, but when you factor in that, at least these days, it seems every do dollar you bring north of the 49th turns into a dollar thirty. That also has a fairly favorable impact on your uh, on your college fees and your debt load, etc. So, um, uh, I, I would just say that from an Atlantic District perspective, we uh, absolutely love the long history that we have. Kingswood started in, in uh, nineteen forty-five wow. uh, as a part of our movement in our antecedent. Uh, denomination, the Reformed Baptist Alliance. And uh, so we, it has always been our school, although technically it is, it is not directly a part of the district or even under the new established national conference, uh, the Wesleyan Church of Canada. Uh, it would be on a level with the other, the other four schools mm -hmm. and directly relates to uh, Russ Gonzalez and, and Education and Clergy Development Division at headquarters. But, uh, but we have a fairly, uh, a fairly seamless and well-integrated relationship with Kingswood. In fact, I was on the phone with uh, President Lennox on Friday for, oh, probably close to two hours uh, as board chair and president uh, working through some issues. But one of the things that, that he uh, wanted to know and has been asking several district superintendents, is there a way during COVID especially that Kingswood students might be able to step up and serve pastors and churches in an above and beyond way, especially as we come into this last lap of dealing with this crazy pandemic and all the restrictions and the impact it's had on ministry. So I'm, I'm, uh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna uh, be a spoiler alert here on what's coming out, but there's some pretty exciting ideas that Kingswood is going to be sharing soon. And, and uh, I look forward to promoting those. And so it's been a very uh, symbiotic in the most healthy sense of the term, symbiotic relationship.
Well, that's terrific. I know for me, Kingswood was the perfect place where I needed to grow up, uh, learn ministry, and just experience deep friendships. And uh, thank you for your continued service there. I want to transition a little bit. Um, I have your Twitter handle up, and I know social media is a big deal right now. But I'm transitioning to a realm where it's political, and we try to be politically mm -hmm. correct, I guess. Uh, I've heard it said here in the United States, if we continue to go down a liberal trail, we might end up like Canada, which I have to admit makes me laugh a little bit because you're in Canada. A lot of my friends are in Canada. Uh, now, I do have some good friends. Andrew Maves is one that you know or are familiar with, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he is a little bit jealous or envious that I can own a handgun here in the United States where he cannot. But you seem to be doing ministry in the tenor and tone of that political structure that's above the border for us. What would you say to Christians here in the United States that are nervous, possibly rightfully so, about the next steps or the future of this country as it might relate more to the country where you reside? I would just say we are we are lowering the escape ladders. Come on over. Like, I mean, we we're, we're just expecting you to come in droves and we're just going to link arms together with all this new kingdom force that God is sending us. And we're going to take Canada for Jesus. So uh, is that the answer you were looking for? No. OK, <laughs> no, I obviously. Um, I am I uh, am no political scientist. My older brother has a has a uh, his undergraduate degree was in political science, and my my dad uh, had his master's degree in history. So I grew up in a family where conversations about politics uh, were more frequent than conversations about the weather. I mean, it was just uh, constant. And uh, but I I would not I would still consider myself a uh, an amateur and a novice in that area. I would say this, Jeff, that um, uh, to to your specific comment about America becoming more like Canada, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that that means likely becoming a little more European versus uh, traditional you know, mm -hmm. uh, a traditionally American um, construct in, in many of the things that have defined the great nation of America, which is a part of our district. Um, and so I would just say that, that yes, I think there, there, there's a lot of truth that uh, Canada reflects some of the European construct and values at a level that that America doesn't. Obviously, we have a very different different political system. We don't actually vote on our prime minister. We only vote on our local members of parliament, and uh, the you know at at a federal election level, and in our parliamentary system, whichever party elects the uh, the most members of parliament, if it's a majority. Uh, then they automatically become the government, and uh, and if as as a majority government, and as a minority government, they have an opportunity to form coalitions that will allow them to stay in power as long as they compromise. Uh, 
not unlike what happens, I think, in the in the U.S. system, where when you have different different houses in Congress that uh, you know the House or the Senate that are controlled by one party or the other, regardless of who the president is, there's a little bit of checks and balances there and give and take in the uh, in the political agendas of the stated parties. So. Um, but in terms of the Canadian context of ministry, um, I would say that uh, we we are quite a ways down the track in in realizing that while our religious liberties are stated as protected under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada, that uh, we increasingly find ourselves in an environment where those are challenged and where uh, a an aggressive agenda to undo the the presence or influence of what would be considered traditional judeo-christian ethics and and morals um, is uh there, there's quite a battle now that's certainly a battle that that is on the u.s side of the border as well but there seems to be uh much more strength and voice within the the governmental system and the authority system especially depending on the state um than there is in in canada and so uh, a good example of this that we've that we faced recently that has had a lot of ripple effect um about two years ago, the largest Christian university in Canada, Trinity Western, out in British Columbia, um, had applied to to add a uh, a residential law degree program, which in our system required all the provinces across Canada uh, to approve in a certain way, I won't bore you with the details. Um, some did, some didn't, and it led to uh, a series of appeals that ultimately went to the Supreme Court of Canada and the Supreme Court of Canada because of the lifestyle expectations of residential students with regard to marriage and sexuality uh, were not congruent with Canadian values it was deemed that uh, Trinity Western should not be granted the uh, freedom to prepare people to serve in the legal system. And um, it was uh, it was quite a blow to the church, certainly a uh, harbinger of things to come. And um, uh, but that's so that environment that we are in is is much more. If, if not hostile at times, there's certainly an undercurrent uh, where we know that some of our, our more extreme values and the things that we hold dear biblically uh, will come under continued and increasing attack in the culture in which we've been called to minister. And what better time is there for Christians to truly live out the life of love that God calls us to. And uh, I apologize. I know that you have uh, several local churches and pastors. And I just know, well, King's Church and Brent Ingersoll is probably a big one. That, honestly, some churches probably get tired hearing about. But it seems as though they are making a difference in this cultural or political context. There's others I know that are being so faithful but also fruitful in ministry. 
Can you just speak to it from a district superintendent point of view, which you are, to local pastors and ministers, how it is worth keeping up the good fight, that spiritual battle in their own life, so they put on the full armor of God, so they will see God's hand in his reward in ministry, uh, just as we're faithful, despite the circumstances around us. Wow, yeah, what a what a great opportunity just to encourage anyone who may be listening to to this, um, Jeff. Um, you know, being contextually effective uh, can look like so many different things. It's one of the six core values that we have on our district, and um, my heart is inspired uh, by. Uh, what God is blessing through so many of our leaders. Uh, I'll give you an example of a, of a second career pastor on our district, Tim Long, who uh, uh, we had kind of a unique story where uh, the Pentecostal Assembly of Canada had a small dying church. They sold it in the parsonage to us for a dollar each. And Tim Long went in to, to lead that congregation uh, in a very small community, and um, he not only has totally revived that small church uh, to a level of attendance that they haven't seen in, in years uh, as, a, as a Wesleyan church, but they have another rural community next door that um, uh, requires taking a ferry to go on an island. And... Um, if you catch the ferry just right, it's probably about 10 to 15 minutes doorstep to doorstep. But if you have to wait for the ferry, it's a little longer. And uh, the community uh, next door to them, they, are, they, they have already publicly declared that they're launching a satellite there. And the attendance of many of the, the monthly preview services pre-pandemic, and they've only had one during the pandemic, but uh, exceeded what the total attendance was of their their main congregation and so uh it's kind of exciting to see them innovating and finding new ways to to move forward uh, with that and i do think you know you speaking to people like uh, brent ingersoll or uh you know aj pleasure aj thomas um uh, scott prime you know den guptel uh, i mean there's a whole list of leaders on our district who uh, who are effectively uh, finding the best ways for their churches to continue to multiply and move forward and, and doing the hard work to stay culturally relevant and culturally impacting. And, uh, and so the, the church is, is still gaining ground. I think the biggest challenge, and, and Dr. Wayne Schmidt, our general superintendent, and certainly uh, Dr. Stephen Elliott, our national superintendent for the Wesleyan Church of Canada as well. Um, we have it painfully in focus that the gospel gap, as has often been referenced, uh, the gap between the percentage of the, of the uh, population that would have some exposure and regular engagement with the church and the gospel and the total population, that gospel gap is not narrowing, it's widening. And there may be uh, pockets where the church is growing overall, but uh, but we need to be doing a lot better than we are, and uh, so we're 
we're doing our best to try to keep changing. I will say this, and you probably found this as well. I mean, even look at this podcast as an example, Jeff, but yeah. um, the, I think the pandemic was, uh, was one of those, one of those things where, where God used something that, that was evil and, and he turned it into something that for many churches has been good in this sense, especially that it, it has served as, as an accelerant to help churches either uh, jump into things they had been considering or painfully out of sheer survival, you know, to get their snorkel up above water and get some air. Uh, people have had to figure out what does it mean to have an online footprint? You know, what does it mean for us to, to you know, live stream services and or pre-record them and broadcast them and, and have a community presence that engages our community. Many did it just for their congregations initially, especially some of the smaller churches. Uh, but then they found out, oh my goodness, we've got people in the community that are watching this. And uh, I regularly got notes from people saying, I got a check from somebody in the community that hasn't even attended the church. And they're just saying, thanks for doing what you're doing. I've been enjoying watching your services. And so uh, I think all of that is going to lead us, and maybe even for you at Living Hope, Jeff, um, there are probably connections that you've made in your community that when we do get on the other side of the pandemic, uh, no one thinks that that landscape is going to look the same as it looked before the pandemic, but no one is confident exactly what that means. And uh, I do think there's going to be a window of time where we will be able to draw the net on the harvest seeds that have been being sown. And it's going to be an exciting time for the church. Oh, I, I certainly agree. Uh, Peter Moore, the uh, district superintendent of the Atlantic District, AtlanticDistrict.com, if you are uh, wanting more information. And a couple of fun questions. These might only be fun for you and I or those that are familiar with uh, Canada or Kingswood. Uh, Nathan Green, Brandon Melanson, great friends of mine way back in the day where I was a student. They loved Grand Manan Island, which I did visit twice. But I could not wait to get off that island because I felt, well, isolated. What is it about Grand Manan that people either love or they don't love? Oh, wow. I did not see that question coming. Um, well, again, to my earlier comments about the history of our district, we, we have had three churches on Grand Manan for a long, long time until about four years ago, all three of the churches merged into one. And Grand Manan is a is a, a, a small island off the south coast of New Brunswick in the Bay of Fundy, highest tides in the world, uh, incredible fishing community, um, uh, lobster fishermen uh, there, uh, ship lobsters all over the world. And uh, it's just, it's a beautiful island, incredible people. And um, uh, so the church, the three churches have merged. They've actually uh, are, are building a, uh, a new church that will be completed this year. And um, uh, it is like, like most island communities, I would say, because I've been in places where, you know, maybe not as, as small as that. Um, but most island communities have a, a, 
an ethnocentric pride about their uniqueness. And uh, if you're from there, then you're in. And if you're not from there, then you're from away and you could live there for 20 years, but you're still from away. And so it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat uh, culture. Um, and it is a very special place. I think the pace of life on Grand Manan has different rhythms. It's very busy in the summer because of the tourism and, uh, and certain points during the year when fishing season starts with the lobster fishery in November. And, and so, um, uh, but it also can be a, uh, a place with a very different pace of life. And the people who live there love it. Not much goes on uh, in the winter months, in the evenings in Graham and Ann. It's just a quiet place. And, uh, and so, uh, but again, incredible people. And God is doing some great things there. And we're seeing, uh, we're seeing some of our best days for our church on the island. And, uh, yeah, but it is a special place. And I was technically from there for two years during my first two years at Bethany because my dad served on staff at one of the three churches uh, during that time. And uh, so when I started as a freshman in the fall of 1988 at, uh, at Bethany, then uh, now Kingswood, um, I, uh, I was from Graham and Ann, even though I had not yet been to my new house. I had been to Graham and Ann before, but anyway, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting. I would, Sometimes, you know, when, when I was in Bethany ministry teams, you had know, always said where you were from. And I would say I was from Seal Cove, Graham and Ann. And yeah. people who knew Graham and Ann would look at me and go, no, you're not. I don't even know who you are. So it's kind of fun. That's yeah, a special place, though, for sure. Great people, including the two that you mentioned. And uh, I just want to uh, mention, and as I do often, being a pastor, over-spiritualize things. But what you said about Graham and Ann is what pastors and Christians can learn about ministry. We adapt to the culture in which we are in so we can live Jesus and present Jesus in a way that compels them to his hope, knowledge, and salvation. And uh, Peter, I, I just have admired you from afar ever since uh, you would come and visit the college and speak and just share, and I just uh, appreciate you for making the time to lead others as you lead yourself in vocational ministry, but um, I just appreciate you so much and for what you do, especially following a legend as you did in the Atlantic District, and uh, we just are um, so privileged to say we are brothers within the denomination, but certainly the family of God, but um, I'm just going to conclude with asking you if you would just to close us in prayer. Absolutely. Would be honored to do that, Jeff. And, and listen, want to thank you for what you're doing. Uh, great work in going back to your, what was your home church and seeing some pretty cool stuff happen. And uh, it'll be, it'll be neat to watch how this ministry that you're offering to encourage so many of us continues to be shaped and developed once we get post pandemic. And uh, I look forward to, hearing stories of how you've had an opportunity to, to draw the net on so many seeds that, that you've sown in your community too over these uh, over these months. So thanks again for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's ask God to help us as we move forward. Father in heaven, I 
want to thank you for this opportunity that we have had to be reminded of your sovereignty in the midst of uncertain times and to be encouraged and even inspired at the ways that you take things that are often seen as setbacks or difficulties and you help us uh, to flip that perspective and to seize opportunities that that may have presented themselves so that we can grow and that we can become better in being the servants that you've called us to be. I thank you for Jeff and for his ministry and for his willingness to do this to serve so many in the church. And I uh, just pray for anyone who's been listening to these words today and who's listening to this prayer and agreeing with us that, that you will quicken our hearts, that you will fill us with courage for this last lap of pandemic disruption and adaptation and innovation. And uh, Lord, that uh, above the political challenges on both sides of the border that, that we have in these days, that you will help us to be beacons of truth that point people to you. Jesus, you are the answer. And we have given our lives to sharing that truth with others. And we thank you that you have given us the privilege of being a part of leading your church. And so we commit this time to you and ask that you will use these words to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Peter, thank you so much. We wish you all the best and uh, happy new year. We'll talk to you You too, my friend. Really appreciate this opportunity. Have a great year, Jeff. All right, thanks. Again, that's Peter Moore. Make some time. Uh, check out the AtlanticDistrict.com, AtlanticDistrict.com. And just for fun, Google Grand Manan Island, Grand Manan Island. I understand it's closer to the state of Maine than it is New Brunswick, but Canada, they claimed it first. So uh, we thank you so much for making the time. Apple, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Living Hope Wesleyan, or the YouTube channel, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Thanks all. We'll see you Sunday, 9 a.m. Virtual, online as always. Living Hope Wesleyan Church on YouTube. Twitter is at Hope for Vermont. Instagram at Living Hope Wesleyan.